0: Well, good morning and welcome to Bloomer Baptist Church this morning. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for getting up out of bed. Thank you for making it here this morning or for at least turning on your live stream on your phone, your computer, your tablet, whatever you're watching with us this morning. We're happy to be worshiping the Lord together as one body in unity as part of His church. Today is the start of a new year, actually, yesterday. But this is a New Year Sunday and a new series as well. Welcome to church. We are the church. Welcome to Bloomer Baptist Church, where our motto, our drive, our goal, our mission statement is to know Christ and make him known. Welcome to Christ's church. Yes, we are the church. We are his. What does this mean? Who are we? What do we do and why? Seriously, why? Why do we do everything that we do as the church we as the church have great blessings and responsibilities we've studied this in the book of ephesians we'll be talking looking to god's word as to why we do some of the things we do practically specifically in the church building and outside of these walls when we say welcome to church to a visitor we so often just assume that they know why we do what we do and how to do it we're going to spend some time looking at the basics But before moving forward, I want to look backward. You see, it's important to look in the rearview mirror to know where you have been as God uses your past path to better direct both your current and future paths He has planned. So, for just a moment, just a minute, I'd like you to watch this quick video. Yes, God truly has done incredible things. Now, obviously, there has been a lot of bad things as well. In fact, I saw a statistic not long ago, a sad one, in fact, that last year, statistically, more people celebrated Thanksgiving than Christmas. And that's sad to me. Especially since Thanksgiving is largely an American holiday, but Christmas Christmas is worldwide as people celebrate the birth of Christ. Yes, there is still lots of confusion, sickness, disunity, and evil which surrounds us in the world. But we must not lose sight of all God has done for us and continues to do for us today and for our futures with him. You see, it said, but God, but God, but God at the end of that video. But God still has a plan. God still will be doing incredible things God still has promises abound and his plans always come to be. We must not lose sight of his impact upon us, our church, the universal church, and the community for his kingdom and purposes. Welcome to church. We are the church. And then last year we have had new conversions, we have had child dedications, we have had baptisms, and we have had worship of the Lord And that's just speaking specifically of our church, but churches around the world have done so much through God. But God, but God, but God is not done with us yet. We are the church. Welcome to church. We have had worship Saturday service every Sunday morning and many gatherings, both small and large, to study the word of God, to pray together, to worship our triune God on other days as well. We have cried together at funerals. And we've celebrated people's lives in Christ and with God forever in heaven. Yes, we have cried. But God has also given us many reasons and days to smile, to laugh, to celebrate, and to love. We have hope, peace, joy, and love. We have Christ. Praise the Lord. Can I get a praise the Lord? We are the church. Welcome to church. What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to do the things we do? Why do we have baptisms? Why do we have child dedications? Why do we worship? Why do we tithe? Why do we take part in communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist? How do we do these things? We are the church. Welcome to church. Let's talk about being the church. You see, the future for Christ's body of believers, followers, the church, those in the Lord, will be great. First, Thessalonians 4:16 to 17 tells us about our future. It says, "For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left. Will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. This is what awaits the church, God's church, Christ's church. Colossians 3 2 instructs to set minds on things above, not on earthly things. John 14 2 is a good follow up here. Jesus gives great encouragement as well as a promise stating, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And finally, Philippians 3.20 also reminds us that we are citizens of heaven. And we could talk more of this heaven, the more of the future which awaits the church. And we could contemplate what it may be like. But we are the church and we know that the best part of heaven is not what the homes will look like, the gates or the roads. The best part of heaven will be God's presence with his people this will be great and wonderful to be with our creator, our savior, our masterful helper for all of eternity with no tears, no pain, no evil, no burdens, no sins. But we must not just focus on God's presence in our future. You see, God is present in our everyday lives today as well. And today we'll focus on remembering him in the now. Today we'll talk about communion. And in application, we'll take part in communion together to close our worship service today. Let's move forward with our main idea. You see, we are the church. And the church is to take part in, in Christ ordinances, of which one is communion. Communion, the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist are part of the Christian's responsibilities and ordinance of Christ and a great blessing to his father, to his followers. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to read now from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three 23 to 29, which says, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. We talk about communion today. We talk about remembering Christ, remembering him. And what we do here with communion is in remembrance of him completely. It is a corporate act. It's something we do together and it is an ordinance of Christ. What the church partakes in is to recenter our worship and remind us that we are united in Christ's body through his sacrifice. Let's first discuss some names such as Eucharist. You see, what is Eucharist? This name may throw you off. You may not have heard this name. Or some people may think, isn't that just something Catholics or the more liturgical and traditional churches do? The Eucharist is a term, a name derived from Greek, meaning thanksgiving and commemoration of Christ's sacrificial death by crucifixion for eternal redemption. With the Eucharist, or communion as we would generally say, or the Lord's Supper, we follow Christ's instructions and use bread and cup to remember his body and his blood, his sacrifice for us. In this regular practice of the church, the bread symbolizes Christ's body, while the grape juice or wine, the cup, It symbolizes Christ's blood, a new covenant, as you read. One pastor said, communion is a biblical and Christ-ordained responsibility for the church and a means by which God is remembered and worshipped. This is straight from Scripture as well, the principle. And I love this quote, I love this idea, and it should just be a general idea in all of our heads But I love that second part, that it's not just that we remember Christ, we worship Christ as we remember him. Communion is also, from the apostles' reference, the word communion, to the cup and the bread as Scripture says, communion of the blood of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 10 also refers to communion as the communion of the body of Christ. You see, this ordained right, this responsibility, this practice or act, It is also referred to scripturally as the breaking of bread in Acts and the Lord's table or supper. Again, in 1 Corinthians, communion is an ordinance of the church. And it may have several different names, which it's referred to, but it still has one practice, one act, one one simple purpose. As with baptism, of which we will discuss another week, it is an ordinance. The Lord's Supper is instituted by the direct command of Christ, and in this case, by his example as well. Matthew 26 to 29 states, The night before his death, Jesus gathered with his disciples to eat the Passover meal. (coughs) It is in this example that we see Our example for communion or the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, come out of. Now, historically speaking, the Passover meal had been a a time of remembrance of God's redemption of his people, Israel, from slavery in Egypt. And see Exodus 12 for that. Jesus would use this occasion now to transition, to institute a memorial to his own imminent and redemptive death upon the cross, to forgive us of our sins, to be the perfect, blemishless lamb. You see, this new act, this memorial, does not look back on redemptive types or stories from history, but on Jesus Christ, who was the perfect and final sacrifice needed for God's people. And we may read of this in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and 1 Corinthians 11. Historically speaking, again, the practice of communion or the Lord's Supper has played a significant part in the worship and edification of God's people As they met throughout history, from the very beginning of the church and still to today. In fact, after Pentecost, the day of the coming of the Holy Spirit to God's people, we read that they were breaking bread in remembrance of the Lord's sacrifice. Acts chapter 2 states this. But what does it mean to take part in the Lord's Supper, Communion, or the Eucharist? Once again the meanings of the Lord's Supper is primarily summed up in Jesus' command, which says, do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of me, and then we have the bread and the cup as an example, his body, his blood. I saw a sermon once of a pastor expounding upon that statement as well, in remembrance of me, talking about just how far God loved his people, just how far God would go for his people, just how far Christ would go all that Jesus must have meant in that statement. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembering the power of Christ's life, his death, his resurrection. Remembering that his one death was enough for all sins of all time and for all redemptions. It was enough for all sins, no matter how severe or how little, no matter who you are, how old you are, or anything else. Remember him, remember Christ, remember how far God went for us as sinful and filthy, unrighteous people. God wanted us to have a restored and redeemed life. Jesus was the way, Jesus was the lamb used for us. Jesus is still the way, the only way. Communion, the Lord's Supper, is about remembering Christ's sacrifice for a new and restored life with God. Just as the Passover meal was a remembrance of God saving his people from slavery and bondage in Egypt, communion, the Lord's Supper. What we do here today is also a remembrance of God's salvation for his people, but it's from bondage and slavery to sin. And it is a forever redemption. Along with communion being in remembrance of his work and presence in our lives, it is also not just by ourselves, that we take part in the Lord's Supper, a communion of believers in the unity. There, there is a communion of believers in the unity of his body. These two thoughts of the remembrance of Christ's work on the cross and the fellowship with the members of his body are the focuses of the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Now, how about some points? Some of you are thinking this is a lot of history. This is a lot of ju- lecture or discussion. How about some points for me to write down in my notes? How about some points for me to remember? Well, first, number one, communion is a remembrance of Christ's death. We've talked a lot about this. This is the obvious one, but it doesn't mean that we always remember it as we should. This scripture screams it to us. This death was not, with, was not in vain or without purpose, though. You see, sometimes... I think that we, we think and we, we read these words, remember Christ, remember him, remember his death. But we don't really think about all that it really did for us. We remember Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming to us as the Savior of the world, who would give his life for our redemption. This was the very purpose of his coming, the climax of his ministry. He would give his life as a ransom for all. Mark 10, 45 Reminds us that he came not to be served, but to serve. The king of kings, the prince of peace, the God, our God, came to us to serve. We remember Jesus' death and his blood spilt being the sacrifice which would provide the new covenant for God's people. We remember his death. Remember the event which brought the promised forgiveness of sins and the opportunity for reconciliation between God and man. Peace with God the Father in heaven. We the church remember also through this act, this responsibility, this ordinance, that his one death was enough for all and for all time. I cannot say that enough... In this remembrance of the death of Christ, there is no thought of a reenactment of his death as in the sacrifice of the the Roman Catholic masses and among some other groups. Nothing else is needed. Jesus died once and that was enough. It is by the grace and merciful sacrificial love of God that we are saved. One life, one death, one resurrection. Grace from God to man, of which flows through Christ and what Christ has already done. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, laying his life down for the many. As indicated in the Lord's words over the bread and cup, where he states, 1 Corinthians 11, This is my body, which is for you. And this is my blood of the covenant, which is to be shed on behalf of the many. Hebrews 10, 12 reminds us that Christ has died for sins once for all and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, in the Lord's Supper, the action, the breaking the bread and pouring the wine do not represent Christ actually dying again and again and again on man's behalf. Instead, it is a memorial to the sacrifice he has already made on the cross. Second, number two, communion is a remembrance of the fellowship's communion with Christ and one another. As we remember Christ, remember his death, we remember that we are now unified together with him and through him for all of eternity. In partaking the Lord's Supper, Christians share in the communion of the blood of Christ and in the communion of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 speaks of this. The word communion used here is the same Greek word that's also translated fellowship. And the word communion, the very meaning means to commune. Together, we are in fellowship with Christ. We are in fellowship with one another. This more than just sharing a meal with Christ, for he gives himself as the very substance of that meal. He provides not just what the physical body needs, but what our very souls so desire for a restored and lasting relationship with God. Now, I understand there are several views of the nature of Christ's presence in the Lord's Supper Roman Catholicism teaches that the elements of the bread and wine turn into the literal body and blood of Christ once they have been consecrated by the priest. This view is called transubstantiation, which means that those who partake of the bread and the wine are literally eating the flesh of Christ and drinking his blood. And this view requires that those who practice it would be doing what was considered an abomination by the old law and to Jews. It would have also been terribly confusing and against the understanding of the disciples as Jesus ordained this and was actually present with them. Jesus was present, so he could not have, they could not have believed that they're actually eating him. This also goes against the metaphorical language often used by Jesus, which was used in instituting the ordinance as well. For example, Jesus calls himself a door in John 10.2. 10, he calls himself a true vine in John 15, 1. He calls himself the living bread, John 4, 51-65. And in regards to the cup, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant. Yet the cup was not the new covenant in itself, but only a symbol for it. As we take part in the bread, the cup, we remember the new covenant that came through Jesus' blood spilt. That... Through his blood spilt as a perfect, blemishless lamb, it would cover our sins forever and ever. God would look down upon us and now see a righteous people saved through Christ, for he would see Christ covering us. These truths also show the fallacy of the Lutheran position of consubstantiation, which the real presence of the body and blood of Christ are said to be present in, with, and under the bread and the wine when they are partaken. You see, Christ is with us. God is with us. We have the Holy Spirit with us at all times. The, the view with the greatest biblical support is that of the Lord's Supper being a memorial, with Christ being present in some real sense spiritually. We remember him symbolically. We remember him. We remember his death. We remember that he created a fellowship, a unity with the church. The bread and the wine are visible symbols of his presence and partaking in them visibly symbolizes spiritual participation in the salvation of his sacrificial death, one pastor said. And third, third, finally, lastly, week one, why communion as we talk about welcome to church and why do we do what we do? What does it mean? The remembrance of Christ in the Lord's Supper is threefold, number three. Communion brings remembrance that this is not the end. We have the promise of Christ's return for his followers. And this is to be proclaimed. This is to be proclaimed. In the remembrance of Christ, there is not only a looking back at the sacrifice made at Calvary. And a new fellowship with him and one another. But there is also a great future return and kingdom to look forward to as well. This hope is expressed by Jesus when in the institution of the supper he said, I say to you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. The same sense is expressed by Paul here in 1 Corinthians 11 when he says that the Lord's Supper is a proclamation of Christ's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper is designed to be a blessing to the church whereby believers might partake and be blessed by their remembrance of Christ. But there is one more thing to be discussed before closing. We cannot skip over this. You see, there's another part of of this illustration. There's a proper people group and a proper attitude to take with communion. We must heartfeltly, mindfully, prayerfully consider ourselves in these moments of communion as we come together to remember Christ. Do we remember Christ as our Savior or just some man? Are you making this ordinance more about you, more about traditions, more about your works, or about Jesus? The rite of communion was given to the disciples and the church. Only believers who are part of the body of Christ are to partake in it. And Paul adds that the believer must also have examined himself in order to participate in a worthy manner. So we ask you today, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Many of the Corinthians had turned what was to be a love feast into a time of division. And thus they were not eating the Lord's supper properly. This resulted in some becoming sick while others had died. 1 Corinthians 11 tells us this as well. You see, God intends for the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, whatever you wish to refer to this ordinance as, to be a good and righteous act of remembrance of your Savior, who humbly laid down his life out of love for our redemption and new life to him. Do you remember him? Do you remember his death? Do you remember your repentance, which was only made possible because of his sacrificial love and death upon that cross? Do you remember your new redeemed life? If not, I think you need to consider giving your life to him today. You see, communion is both a joyous time of celebration as we commune with Christ and one another and a solemn time to think seriously about the sacrifice of, of which Christ made and how he wants the believer to live today. How are you remembering him in your daily life's actions, your talk, and your thoughts? Follow Christ as Lord today. Repent of your sins today. Examine yourself. Ask the Lord for forgiveness and turn away from those things and follow him in his ways. And follow. finally, <clears throat> as we prepare to go to the Lord's Supper to communion together, we talk of the mode. You see, the ways. While well, the early church often observed the Lord's Supper communion in connection with a meal... The elements of communion itself were distinguished from the meal itself. And this is what we take part in today. Remember Christ today with the elements, the bread and the cup, as instituted by Christ. We will do this now together. Those helping, please come forward as I read from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Today we remember and celebrate Christ's sacrificial death. Remember our fellowship with him and one another we have through his death and the new peace, restored life, redemption we have with the Father in heaven. We remember our futures together and we proclaim these things together as we remember him through the bread symbolizing his body and through the cup symbolizing his blood spilt creating a new covenant not based upon our works but his based upon grace and mercy and love of the father for his children. We celebrate open communion meaning you do not need to be a member of this church many of you are not. I encourage you to be, but you celebrate it together as believers, as followers after Christ. That is the requirement, the one requirement we have. And that's straight from God's word. As we do this, we examine ourselves. Remember what God Jesus has done. For there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We were like his worst enemy, but God sent his son Jesus for us. Please listen to this song as we pass out the bread and cup and take part in communion. Together after the bread we'll pray and we'll do this in remembrance of him. What we do today, we do in remembrance of his sacrifice, his body, his blood spilt, so that we might have forever redemption, a restored life with our Father in heaven, forever forgiveness of our sins. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrificial death. We thank you for your love for us in sending him. We thank you that through his body, through his blood, we may have forgiveness of sins and eternal life with you in heaven. We now do this today in remembrance of him. Amen. You may now take the bread and cup together.